What's up, NBA fans? We are the conference semifinals with one series down, but still a couple more to decide. And one game seven already on the books with this with the Dallas Mavericks taking a win tonight against the Suns and setting up a pivotal game seven in Phoenix in a few days. Meanwhile, the Warrior, the Grizzlies managed to take down the Warriors just to keep their season alive and push the season series to three two with a game six in 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 San Francisco tomorrow. The Bucks are also three two, winning a pivotal game five with when the series was tied two two. Um, to, to swing back to Milwaukee where they can potentially close this game. But first, we'll start, before we break down all those other series, we'll start in Miami and the 76ers where Miami, the number one seed, has taken down the Sixers and eliminated them, winning the series in 4-2, despite Joel Embiid's heroics to come back and wear his quote-unquote hammer-proof mask uh, to avoid any further damage. It just was not enough. For Jim, for for them to take down Jimmy Butler and company, uh, they are through and they are chilling, waiting for the eventual victor of the Bucks and Celtics series. But overall, Sean, what is your reaction to this to this series and how it all went down? Oh man, Alan, this this was a ended up being a great series, and this is one I think even we wrote off as a potential sweep. And yeah, like a week ago, we were talking about this, and Miami mm-hmm. was already up 1 0, 2 0. And we're like, oh, without Embiid, like, this is nothing. And we didn't even know if Embiid was coming back at that point. Right. But then he came back in game three, and I remember texting you with the text. I'm like, dude, he's coming back. And you're like, I can't believe it. I can't believe he's back. And then they end up winning the game. They end up winning game four. But ultimately, like you said, the heroics weren't quite enough. Miami's still able to put a. <laughs> absolute thrashing on them in game five mm-hmm. and then game six this game was a good game through the first half i mean some back and forth action um james harden looked pretty good in the first half tyrese maxi was on his game and then miami just kind of put the clamps down on them in the second half and we saw max Struess end up being mm-hmm. the x factor in this game stole the show with 21 points, 11 rebounds, and 5 assists, proving that he rightfully deserved to take Duncan Robinson's spot in the starting lineup. Um, I don't know if you saw any of this, but we actually did get a Duncan Robinson sighting in this game. <laughs> four minutes. Yeah, four minutes. Four minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, they were four meaningful minutes. They weren't garbage mm-hmm. time minutes. So... Yeah, I don't know what exactly is the plan there with him moving forward, but Max Strews proved that, you know, he's he deserves this spot and man, he came up huge for this team in a road game, you know, when you don't quite expect the role players to really step up as much. Uh usually you see those the role players have great games at home. But man, this guy really showed up. He made all the big shots that came his way. Uh, he probably might he might be a better shooter than Duncan Robinson from the three at this point. I don't know. He he looked knocked down. And obviously Jimmy Butler was great, right? I mean, the dude averaged twenty seven, seven and five through this whole series on fifty one percent shooting and just seemed to make all the right plays when he needed to. Yeah. I mean, this is how playoff series are won. You got your stars and then you got your chess pieces of role players, and every now and then You'll have one special performance is just enough to win a pivotal game. And today it was Max Strews, 6 for 14, 20 points, 11 rebounds. A guy who has averaged 9 points for the entire series. But today was his game, 40 minutes out there alongside Jimmy Butler, who played 43 minutes tonight. Um, and the only people, the only guy to have played more than those two is Joel Embiid with 44 minutes playing, 20 points. But God... 7 for 24 from the field, mm. 2 for 8 from 3, only 4 free throws attempts. He was 100% from the free throw line, 4 for 4, but just could not get to the line. Really nobody on the 76ers team could, only 6 for 7 for free throws. Not many free throws being thrown in this game. It was a very physical game, but I think the biggest criticism here is the 76ers fought for this series, but to get to this game 6 and not see the spirit that we would love to see, especially from somebody like James Harden or Joel Embiid. I mean, Joel Embiid's got his plethora of injuries, so I guess you you can give him a pass there. 
But from a lot of these other guys on the 76ers squad to not really go out swinging yet again. I mean, we, I feel like we always find ourselves ta- saying that saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but guys just do it. Like, they just don't go out hard. James Harden, four for nine uh, from the field. Four Tyrese Maxley uh, taking more shot attempts than him. Obviously, Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris taking more shot attempts than him. You lose Danny Green in the beginning of the game. Uh, but still, not an excuse, I think, for to have let to let yourself just go out this way uh the final score was 99 to 90 but it really feels like the 76ers probably feels like they should have lost this by even more than that yeah seriously i mean what does that add up to 42 points in the second Mm -hmm. half for them that that is unreal and you know i don't want to discount danny green being hurt in the first three minutes of this game and we go back to, I, I think it was, it was either game three or game four. It's one of the ones they won. He was like seven for nine from three. So <laughs> we know Danny Green can just light it up when he's mm-hmm. on his home court. And he had one three already in the first three minutes uh, of this game. Who knows? Maybe maybe he would have made the difference. Maybe he makes five threes, and that's the game for Philadelphia right there. But, I mean... That's got to be so deflating when your own player rolls on your leg and now they're calling it a major injury, like a very yeah. serious injury that, I mean, for Danny Green at 35 years old now, mm-hmm. potentially career-ending. I I got to think. That's just crushing. Yeah. Yeah, and forty, he was shooting 45% from the three-point line for nine points a game. So yeah, I mean you were especially when you gave up Seth Curry in the regular season. Danny yeah. Green has really had to step up and been that big spacer for Joel Embiid and for these other guys. Um, so losing him was probably quite a quite a shocker, and maybe explains a lot of why you know Tyrese Maxey, Joel Embiid just couldn't get things going yeah. inside when you don't have a good spacer like Danny Green, um, and instead you have to spread a lot of those minutes that would be going to him out to like Matisse Thybul. A little bit more of Shake Milton, 28 minutes tonight. Yeah, a lot of Shake. Uh, yeah, and Tyrese Maxey taking on more minutes as well. Um, I mean, it's 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 tough. It's tough to go out, go out like this. And, oh, I'm so hesitant to make this all about James Harden. <laughs> but it's a very easy time, scapegoat right now. <laughs> but you got a nine shot, only nine shot attempts in game six, zero points in the entire Second half, only two attempts in the second half of this game. For an all NBA guy and for a dude who has is going on has a player option for next year and is eligible for a ridiculous potential extension in the summer. It's bad, especially when you've given up a young prospect like Ben Simmons in return for, for James Harden. It's a tough situation to see the way he closed this game out. And even before heading to this game, his former Coach, player development coach for the Nets, Amari Stoudemire, didn't have kind words for him, saying, I think not being in top shape, not taking your body serious, and not really being able to focus in on that in the offseason and getting yourself prepared through training camp and through the regular season to get to this point. Amari Stoudemire talking mm-hmm. in regards to how James Harden came into the Nets season and whether or not he should be offered a contract extension. And Amari Stoudemire is obviously of the opinion of no and calling out I mean calling him out the guy that's not in shape and we may be seeing a regression here in him and potentially costing a being one of the big reasons why they they could not mount a comeback in this game yeah and I think from my perspective it was this was cemented long before this series even but Mm -hmm. we've officially seen the regression of James Harden and it's happened over the last two years, and it it wasn't quite apparent until this year that he officially regressed. Like maybe just being on the Nets was you know a, a weird transition for him, and he had to find his game again. But no, it's it's just him getting older, his body just not responding the same way it used to. Him having ailments that are probably underlying that he doesn't talk about as much. And you have to ask yourself if you're Philadelphia, is this is this guy good enough? to warrant a max extension still at this point mm. in his career. And I mean, you, you look at uh, Joel Embiid's press conference after the game, after the loss today, and he said it himself, James Harden is not the same guy he used to be. He's a playmaker now. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, to be fair, he's always been a playmaker. He's always averaged a high number of assists. So now all you've done is take away a large facet of his game, which is the scoring. And then you have to ask yourself, is can James Harden be Chris Paul in a way? You know, like, can he just be the facilitator, but then, like, you know, occasionally take over a game if he needs to? Uh, my intuition says no. Yeah. Myself, like I don't think he's a good enough playmaker to warrant giving him the max contract that Chris Paul got from Phoenix. Yeah, I don't think so either. It might this might be a little closer to Vince Carter not being a dunker slash uh, driver to the basket anymore mm-hmm. when he became a three yeah. point shooter. <laughs> you weren't giving <laughs> right. tons of money to three point shooting Vince Carter. Yeah, you know, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was who dunker, wants that? <laughs> it was dunker score Vince Carter that was getting yeah. all the money. Not to say James Harden has regressed that bad, but I mean, I, yeah, come would, on. Would you not say that though? I might. This is bad. <laughs> like this is this is some real bad regression. Where like you said it yourself, two shots in the mm-hmm. second half of a do or die game. If I'm James Harden, I've been in this position a million times. How do you not shoot it at all? Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, um, and I don't know the answer to that. You know, he might want to ask his buddy Paul George, who also, <laughs> you remember all those years ago, we also burnt him for taking, like, one shot attempt when the Clippers went down, I think, to Denver. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's tough to say. If but- there's anything good to leave off is James Harden did have an impressive game four uh, where we kind of saw a little bit of old one James Harden, 31 points, <laughs> nine, nine assists, seven rebounds. Yeah, it's a tough one. But here, here is uh, just how much this um, regression is going to cost James Harden. If James Harden had made an All NBA team at the end of this year, he would be eligible for the for a twenty for a two hundred and twenty three million dollar extension this offseason. Which that contract alone, that run of that contract would have made him more money. Uh, well, it would have put James Harden at. Well, that money alone would have helped make James Harden more money than four than outside of just four players in NBA history because of the the sheer size of this extension and just you know speaking in terms of like just how much the NBA has grown in terms of actual revenue and the amount and the percentage of revenue NBA players can capture James Harden could have been making historical money, but his regression the last six months, probably all but guarantees he will not make an all NBA team. (laughs) Yeah. I would be very surprised if he made an all NBA team, but even so that's, it's such a hard thing. If you're Philadelphia, do you, do you truly believe that James Harden can win you a championship at this point as your starting point guard, hampering the rest of the team's ability to you know get better you know because you're mm-hmm. already you're obviously going to pay him beat the max you got Tyrese Maxey who's due for an extension uh he has a team option for the next two years on his contract which you know unfor- a little unfortunate for him he's not getting the bag any sooner but he's mm-hmm. gonna be due for an extension in another year and you still got Tobias Harris on the books I mean, is that your other option? You, do you move Tobias Harris to make room for Harden's contract? Is that worth it for you? No way. You do not make <laughs> any moves in for the for the sake of James to make room for James Harden. You figure out how to keep James Harden on the cheap, or you move him. Uh, but it'd be tough. You'd have to pair him up with one of these value contracts that you have with either you know. God forbid Tyrese Maxey, I think that's off the table. But you'd probably yeah. have to pair him up with Matisse Thibault mm. if you were going to move him. I think more realistically, you've got to go to the books and figure out what you can do with Tobias Harris, potentially a pick, or potentially one of these other... Oh, I guess it would have to be Thibault. I can't see any other team yeah. saying yes. They don't have any other him. pieces, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so the and, question is, is Harden going to accept anything less than the Max? from his perspective i don't know it it just depends i mean this may be his best chance at winning i can't see any other serious contender offering him money or anybody that's on the verge of jumping there um yeah so do you think james harden cares more about getting the championship at this point than he does about the money 
I think he should. Yeah. I, if, I mean, if he should. should, then he should he should take a three year, hundred million dollar deal. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, you're still making a crap ton of money, but yeah, I don't think he cares about the championship that much. I think he'll still want a long term deal that will get him deep into his thirties, still paying him upwards of forty million dollars, even though he's not a good player anymore at that point. Yeah, I mean, if you can get James Harden around the twenty-ish million range, oh, below... never, never, he would never <laughs> accept that. I, I, I doubt it. Even he'd accept three years, a hundred. I don't think he'd accept that. I think the minimum he would accept is four years, one hundred sixty million. I think that's the minimum he would accept at this point. That's such a tough. That seems so rough, especially it does, when... but it's James Harden. His name yeah, value I mean... carries too much. If there are deals on the table where you can take, you can move Tobias Harris, shave off some contracts, and make a run at potentially Bradley Beal and Zach Levine, you the 76ers are not taking giving James Harden anything. But do you uh, do you really think that they have a shot at either of those guys? I think they do. Really? I think they do. Interesting. I mean, I gotta think Bradley Beal or Zach Levine wouldn't mind pairing up with. Oh, uh, they wouldn't mind Joel it. But I just don't think that the teams that currently own those two players would take Tobias Harris's contract in return. Oh no, I'm saying, I'm saying those guys are free agents. Are coming? Oh, up, are upcoming oh yeah, free Zach agents. Levine's a free. Is Bradley Beal uh, not restricted? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm saying, I guess that. Well, yeah. Well, so yeah, you'd have to find someone to take Tobias Harris' contract then. Yeah, you'd ha- if you could figure out how to shave that contract off. Yeah, with OKC. <laughs> with OKC, Tybal. yeah. There you go, <laughs> dude. Thunder might actually be, be tough. Be... <laughs> but I, Tobias but Harris might more... be too good of a player for them, though. They they only want really <laughs> bad players that are on big contracts. <laughs> Yeah, like I would give up Tobias Harris, Matisse Thibault for something that'll help me shave money off. Uh, yeah, to okay, see, and then make a run for Dude, Tobias for Harris would be kind of clean on the Thunder though too. Giddy, yeah. Shea, and Tobias, man, that's a pretty good team works. right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think so. That's all to say, like James Harden's team also has to be thinking about that. Like, yeah, if if you come back pretty stuck, like you got to be pretty confident that. You know Daryl Morey can't make a move to shave contract and make a run at one of these free agents. I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces here, but I don't think Philly is as uh, as as cornered as maybe you would think in terms of like they have to bring James Harden on yeah. a huge deal. So, so you predicting that there's going to be a pretty big move in this offseason for the Sixers outside of just I, bringing James Harden back? I think so. I think we. I think it's. Keep an eye on the free agent news around Bradley Beal, Zach Levine. Uh, I think these are two guys that might make sense for the 76ers to make a run for it. Interesting. We'll if the storylines there don't develop, then yeah, then J- the 76ers are going to be backed into a serious corner. But yeah, we'll see. And I'd be surprised things. if Zach Levine left, honestly, because it's like if Lonzo's healthy, you know, still a super good team. Um and you just you you just started building something good in Chicago. It, would you leave immediately after that? Seems kind of crappy. <laughs> it just depends if the Bulls give him the money he wants. Uh, yeah, I forget true. the deal he's eligible for, but I'm sure, it's a foul. He's one. eligible. <laughs> yeah, he's eligible for a big contract, and for a guy coming off a second knee surgery, and you know, you're a franchise that's kind of been known for being on the cheaper end the last few years. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it doesn't seem as as one hundred percent that Levine stays with Chicago as you as we may think. Interesting. That would yeah. be a pretty big move, man. If Zach Levine got on this team, <laughs> this would be wild. That would be a wild team. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, they'd have to find a, a place for Tobias Harris, obviously. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that would be a big move too. And then yeah, yeah, even if Tobias Harris gets traded to you know a middling team, like he could make a middling team pretty good yeah exactly um so let's move on to bucks up three two on the celtics winning that crazy pivotal game five wow pivotal (laughs) in the way that historically the team that's won game five 
going into it when the series is tied 2-2, goes on to win the series 82% of the time. Wow. I mean, this is just big enough to where Milwaukee also wins this in Boston, in the Garden, essentially steals this game. <laughs> it was a big back and forth. Celtics build up a good amount lead. Al Horford uh, regaining some youth and putting a big dunk in. Um, but Bobby Potis. Bobby Potis. <laughs> Bobby Potis it. just putting on a huge putback with 14 seconds left to go. Uh, Giannis making back-to-back free, making two, making his two free throws. And a three-pointer uh, in the last the minute huge, of the game. <laughs> yeah. And then Drew Holiday with a huge defensive play to seal the win. That was an epic game. And I was not paying attention for like 75% of that game. <laughs> but I'm glad... I started paying attention in that fourth quarter because that was a hell of a closer uh, Mm -hmm. to that game. Yeah, and I unfortunately didn't get to catch any of this, but saw some of the highlights. And yeah, Drew Holiday, man, this is exactly why they brought him in. This is exactly Uh why he was the piece they needed to win a championship last year and why they still have a shot this year. I mean, that block on Marcus Smart into throwing the ball off of him to get the possession was just masterful masterful Mm -hmm. and then obviously getting the steal at the very end of the game and just running the clock out epic so epic so yeah i think and doing it on the defensive player of the year winner of all people Mm -hmm. um just to kind of throw salt into the wound uh man it was great i mean i think this this whole series has kind of been a little topsy-turvy uh, we've seen the Bucks just dominate them game one. The Celtics came out and dominated the Bucks game two. And then you could argue that the Bucks should have won game four and lost it. You could argue the Celtics mm-hmm. should have won game five and lost it. So, yeah, just a lot of weird things going on. Just punches getting thrown back and forth. We see Al Horford look like he's 28 years <laughs> old again in some points. And, oh, man. It's it's been a really fun series and and obviously Giannis has been the highlight of it so far. I mean, thirty three point six points, twelve point six rebounds, and seven assists uh, with that forty one percent usage rate so far. I mean, this is a, a quite a different assignment for Jason Tatum against Giannis uh, <laughs> compared to Kevin Durant, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, forty one percent usage rate just seems so absurd, but it's got to. It's got to happen. It's it got to start with Giannis. And uh, he has just been dominating this ser- series, doing everything he can. And Boston just can't figure out. I mean, at the end of the day, you just don't really stop this guy. You force <laughs> him to shoot shoot threes every now and then. And uh, and it's working. Giannis is yeah. 4 for 21 from the three-point line. 19% three-point yeah. shooting sh- on the series. He's shooting way too many threes. Like, every time he shoots a three, I'm like, why did you? You, you fell for it again? Really? Like, you mm-hmm. know they're going to give you 10 feet of space. Like, let your pride go and dribble into the rim. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. But they're they're making it, making it work uh, somehow and big part of this it's got to just be the defensive end here uh drew holiday pat cunnington Giannis, the whole crew is just really holding down this 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 celtic team jason tatum averaged 29 points against the nets versus the bucks he's at 22 points shooting 39 percent marcus smart was 16 and 7 against the nets and versus the bucks he's 13 and 4 and not quite shooting as efficiently as he did in the net series either so the, the team is doing work. Their length, they're using their length to do it. To do it, what they don't get on the offensive end, they're hopefully making up for it on the defensive end and just getting points in transition. Um, but I mean, this is still a close series going into Milwaukee, so it's still anything is possible. I think I still wouldn't be surprised to see this series go to seven games and see the Celtics just. Uh, closely take one take one from Milwaukee at home and 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 uh and head back to the Boston Garden for the next for for game 7. Yeah, I'm I'm really hoping this goes 7 games. This has been a very entertaining series to follow and it just seems like these two teams are competing at just optimal levels right now. Like they're mm-hmm. firing at 100%. And it's great to see the back and forth action between them. Yeah, if, if this doesn't go 7, I'll be disappointed, but and if the Bucks get there in six games, man, like man, it just goes to show what a what a gritty team they are. They do this all without Chris Middleton. 
and mm-hmm. that that's something that gets lost a lot in this whole thing is like they're missing their second best player on the team and they're still taking it to the Celtics who at one point during these playoffs were favored to win the championship over any other team in it and the Bucks are like no no we are still the champions regard as long as Giannis is out there we have a shot so yeah yeah it's it's been pretty awesome I'm hoping Chris Middleton I don't. I know that they said there's a small chance he could come back for one of these last. If there's two more games in the series, if he could come back for one of those last two, but man, if he could even get back against the series against Miami, that would be a great series because I, yeah. I don't think the Bucks will be able to quite keep up um, the same way they're doing against the Celtics against a fully loaded, healthy Miami team. I don't either, and they're going to desperately need him back. Um, yeah, they just don't have enough. I mean, Giannis, 40 minutes a game in this series. Drew Holiday, 40 minutes a game this series so far. They're running their guys to the ground, and they need they need a little bit more help here uh, if they're going to close this out. But, um, yeah, we got Drew Holiday here. Uh, Bobby Potis checking in on his numbers. Honestly, hasn't really had the greatest series, but it feels like he's just out there making some heroic, heroic plays. Uh, he's shooting 40%, but 18, 40% from the field, 18% from three, 11 points. But sometimes it just feels like he's just <laughs> on fire. But it just goes to show that this series has just been totally about defensive about defensive gains and who can actually stop each other. It's been gritty and, and a bit physical at times. But um, some Giannis is finding his way to crank out some wins here for this team. Um Ultimately, Sean, who who are you taking? I, I think we already did our predictions previously, but anything is has anything changed now that you've seen it, seen a couple more games? I mean, I I said that I think the Celtics should win the series last week, and I, yeah, at this point, I, I have to switch it to the Bucks. I mean, yeah, the the, the numbers don't lie. Eighty two percent of the time, the team up three two wins, and I I just feel like the Celtics missed their chance. Uh, they they had they had a good opportunity to take this one at home, and they lost it. And that that was I think that's the turning point in the series for them, unfortunately. So yeah, it'll be very tough for them to take Game Six in Milwaukee. Uh, they've obviously won one in Milwaukee already, but that that's not going to make it any easier the second time around. Yeah, neither of these two teams has won two games in a row in this series. <laughs> that's crazy. I could see I could see Boston taking Game Six. And I could see Milwaukee winning Game Seven ultimately in the yeah. Boston Garden, which is impressive. Yeah, they did it tonight. They did it yesterday night to win Game Five. So I think they could do it again. I think uh, one off. You know, no no team is going to win two in a row, but I think the Bucks win the last one. Hmm. So I'm giving it to them as well. Bit of recency bias you can make an argument for, but I had the Celtics winning. I really did. I thought they had better chess pieces. Than, than Milwaukee, but Giannis just is such a cheat code and Drew Holiday <laughs> also Man, Drew Holiday's playing like a like a top twenty five player right now. Oh like yeah. He, he he is up there now. Like he's not just like a middle of the pack type of player. Yeah. You know, above average. Like he is an elite he looks like he's playing like an elite player in this league. Yeah, well I mean that's the thing about Drew Holiday is he always steps it up in the playoffs. And we mm-hmm. talked about this last year too, I think, when they traded for him. We're like, oh, is this really the guy that's going to do it? Well, in the one playoff series he had with New Orleans, he went from like an 18-point-a-game shooter to like 26 points a game. And mm-hmm. there was indications that you put this guy in a playoff scenario, he's going to step his game up multiple levels. And this is just continuing proof that he's just a different animal. When, when everything's on the line. Yeah. And yeah, that's a good shout out in the regular season this year. Drew holiday is an 18 and six player in the playoffs. So far he is 19 and six considerably shooting better from the field and uh, just more aggressively aggressive on the boards as well. So as well, well said, Drew holiday is a playoff player and the guy that you want on your side. Uh, moving on from Milwaukee, we got the warriors, uh, with a 3-2 lead on the Grizzlies, but just kind of similar, even more extreme, though, than the Boston Celtics <laughs> series. It feels like each one of these games 
or at least the first three games felt like they all could have been a coin flip. But now it's it's so weird to think where the advantage is. You got John Morant is out for the rest of this series. Gary Payton Jr. is out for the Warriors. Order Porter Jr. as well. And this last game with the Grizzlies just giving the Warriors a spanking, one of the worst spankings <laughs> I've ever seen in the playoffs. Oh, man. My, is it, it wasn't historically bad. Like I didn't see any of like the stats on it, but this had to be one of the biggest blowouts ever. I thought so as well, but I couldn't. I I didn't see anybody call that out. Like really call out a stat in wow. terms of like how bad the gap was, the eventual final gap, but. At one point, the Grizzlies the Grizzlies were up by fifty five points. Fifty five points <laughs> on the Warriors, and it was crazy. This was still with starters out there, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just <laughs> I don't really know what else to say. That's just yeah. the kind of is game there, the Warriors. Yeah, had is there any explanation five. for this? Like, what what is your take on that? And so that's like. What I really overall want to say about this series is that it feels so wonky and weird and that the first three games were so close or the first two games were so close. Game three, the Warriors did blow out the Grizzlies 142-112. Game four was close. It's just been a wonky series. It feels like Memphis should be dominating with their size, but they're not. The Warriors have been killing them on the boards outside of game six. Uh it feels like the Warriors should be killing the Memphis Grizzlies from outside in terms of outside shooting. They're really not. Klay Thompson is not shooting very good in this series. Neither is Steph Curry. Uh, Jordan Poole is doing his thing. It's hard. It's hard to. It's really hard to <laughs> to say like this is the thing that that's the advantage for this guy or like this is the difference maker here. It just feels like this series has almost been. Two ser- two se- two sets of games in one. Yeah, it's weird. I think what I've one of my observations so far is this is definitive proof that what the Grizzlies did without John Morant during the regular season when they went twenty and five was not a fluke. This yeah. team is actually just as good without him as they are with him, mm-hmm. and it's kind of baffling. It really is. And I don't know if that speaks to Tyus Jones being a much better player than we give him credit for or just a much better fit in the system than we'd expect him to be. Because when you look at him, you're like, oh, it's just a role, role-playing role point guard, right? Like he's just a bench point guard. But maybe he's a lot more than that, a lot more than we give him credit for. Yeah, I guess that's also one of the odd things about this series is that the play of the Memphis players has swung back and forth, has actually not swung positively until this game six. The entire series, the entire series has just been John Moran, Jaron Jackson Jr., and maybe another role player goes goes off. But Desmond Bain has been averaging eleven points in this series. Yeah, uh, up until terrible. this, and this and this game six has really pushed that average. Like it's not even really telling the series. Tyus Jones, you mentioned him. That's a good name to call out. Nine points this series so far, 22 minutes. But then in this game six, Desmond Bain goes off for 21 points. Six for 12, what we're used to seeing in the regular season. Tyus Jones, 21 points, eight for 12, what we were used to seeing in the regular season. It's almost as if some of these guys have been hibernating the entire right. the whole first five games. Uh, and huh. now they're, they're, Grizzlies they're playing Grizzlies hibernating? Well. That's pretty good yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, like hibernating like the Grizzly Bears. <laughs> And then you take John Moran out, you plug in Steven Adams, and all of a sudden this Grizzly team is dumb, is doing well on the boards, be, you know, notably beating the Warriors, crushing them on the boards, 55-37 to 37 in this game six. Mm-hmm. But he, he himself doesn't, doesn't – his numbers don't pop off. Two for seven, 13 rebounds. 13 rebounds is strong for sure. But if, you yeah. wouldn't think Steven Adams is like the impactful piece <laughs> to this team. Yeah, but he I don't is – he is and yeah. yeah it's just it's one of the this is one of those series where we're gonna look back and say the grizzlies could have won this series 4-1 yep like this could be over if john morant makes that layup game one grizzlies win if they had held on in game four when they were up in golden state 
like 20 points almost double digits in the fourth quarter and bl- like just totally blew it with yep. their with their job relentless line they should have won that one too I and think we're talking so. yeah and so it's one of those series where you're gonna look at it and be like wow like grizzlies could have easily won but the warriors are gonna end up winning at the end of the day because of how the chips fell how the coin flips went yeah on that i'll, I'll yeah I'm not sure about that. I'll say you, that you're still giving first. you're still giving them a chance, huh? <laughs> yeah, but before I say that, I think it's 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 still hard for me to uh, to 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 gauge like how this game six is gonna go because it does feel like maybe the Warriors were thrown in a loop uh, in this game five because it feels like they are playing a completely different team. Like it's just kind of crazy to me that this Grizzlies team feels like they're two teams in one they have jaw moran grizzlies where they play through jaw mm-hmm. uh they got outside shooting they then when they don't have jaw they play very traditionally traditional looking yeah. basketball ball movement. where they slow mm-hmm. so, slow the ball uh, yeah ball movement overall pace slows down use your size dominate the boards um you know and Good just and, yeah and spread the scoring load with guys like desmond bain jaron jackson tyus jones Dylan Brooks every now and then. No, not Dylan or, Brooks. <laughs> or you get these random guys off the – not random guys, decent dudes. But, mm-hmm. like, yeah, DeAnthony like Z- Melton. Zaire Williams. Zaire Williams, exactly. Some of these guys that just – the first three games, outside of Williams, one game he, he did shoot well. But outside of that, the first four games, it seemed like these guys – the depth wasn't really working for, for the Grizzlies. And now all of a sudden it's here. Um, so I'm just interested in seeing how the Warriors adjust – to this with how they counter and whether these guys can continue to play well and if this version of Grizzlies can come through but my my into my intuition or maybe you know my bias because I do love the Memphis Grizzlies <laughs> is that I think they can pull it off I think wow. they can pull it off in San Francisco take it to Memphis for a game seven and then it's anybody's game yeah I just I cannot see them winning game six as much as much respect as I have for them, that they almost took Game Four, that they clobbered them in Game Five, you just have to think that the Warriors, with all the experience they have in the playoffs and all all of the great players they have, that they're gonna let themselves get kicked in the teeth again. You know, like if, if I'm if I'm one of those Warriors players, I don't even really consider Game Four a win. You know, yeah. like they they barely won that game. They only took the lead with 45 seconds left in the game and so in my mind i'm like man i basically just lost two games to these grizzlies i gotta come out swinging in this one so despite you know gary payton jr being hurt despite Otto porter being questionable and steve kerr still being out with covid you gotta think that they have enough to put it all together it really shouldn't it this shouldn't be this difficult it's it's really the biggest anomaly i think in the modern sports era is how the memphis grizzlies without john morant can become this juggernaut of a team that no one has an answer for it's really baffling yeah i honestly think this grizzlies them going bigger and slower is is a bet is a is an advantage for the Grizzlies. It's a matchup that the Warriors, I think, are having trouble figuring out. Mm-hmm. And Order Porter Jr. being out, I think, is actually a big deal um, because he's been big for them. He's been one of the big reasons why they've been winning the boards the the first the first set of five games yeah. or the first yeah the first set of four and he, games. And he's the one that kept them in it in Game Four with his three point shooting when no everyone else yeah. couldn't make it. Yeah, exactly. His names don't jump off. The, the page like he's averaging like nine points and like just like six or four rebounds six re- four five rebounds six points but his his ability to just be there and guard one through five has did make it tough for the Grizzlies and now you're losing him and you're inserting and the Grizzlies insert Steven Adams now you got to play Draymond Green even more you got to have Wiggins play big you're gonna have to maybe go and play Kevin Looney a lot more minutes and he hasn't really been good. Um, and then in terms of outside shooting for the Warriors, Jordan Poole is there. Jordan Poole is doing his thing. Steph Curry is having an off series, 
But still, even in an off series, you're still looking at the best shooter in the game, still shooting 42%, uh, 33% from three. But Clay Thompson, 16 points, 38% shooting, mm. 29 from three. Draymond Green, 5.7 rebounds, zero three-point attempts in this series so far. <laughs> uh, it's tough from your legacy veterans to be playing yeah. this bad. Yeah, it, it's, I think Clay Thompson is a big one. But mm-hmm. yeah, we we knew there'd be some rust this year, and he just came back at the at the latter half of the season. And I don't think they can rely on him very much at this point. Like they've given him the liberty to shoot, you know, as much as he wants when he wants in normal Clay Thompson fashion, as he should. But now that everything's on the line. I don't think you can afford to do that. Like, if you need to get Clay Thompson back up to speed, you know, do it in games one and two, sure. Like, do it during the regular season, but, like, he needs to accept his role on this team this season as I am not the go-to guy. I need to get it to Poole. I need to get it to Curry. I'm not the guy right now because he's only hurting the team shooting this poorly. And it's like Dylan Brooks on the other side. Like, please, for the love of God, Dylan Brooks, do not do not shoot a single shot in this series ever again. Do not do not try to dribble the ball in this series mm-hmm. ever again. Like, just stand in the corner on offense like Matisse Thibault does for the Sixers and just stay out of the way because I, I, I could not stand to watch him just blow this game four that they should have won because he was being a complete ass out there. yeah there was definitely some bad plays from dylan brooks that is for sure and i think that's just the guy he has been his entire career you don't have to be that guy like who gave him the green light to just chuck up whatever he wants he's a terrible shooter he has terrible shot selection and he has no playmaking ability like why is this the guy like give it to tyus jones give it to freaking zyre williams even over him Desmond Bain, like these are the guys that should be dictating the offense, not Dylan Brooks. Yeah, I don't want him anywhere I, I, near the ball on offense. I agree. They're going to have to limit some of his bad attempts if, if this game gets really close in game six. But on the on the, on the the other end, just last point on this is like the Warriors, if they're going to beat this old school, new Grizzlies team without John Moran, they got to figure out how to punish this team when they're going big. Because Memphis is going Adams and Brandon Clark, Adams and Jaron Jackson, Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark. I mean, Adams is playing played twenty seven minutes in Game Four, uh, only twenty two minutes in Game in Game Five. But you know Everyone that was obviously played, yeah. a huge <laughs> blowout. So he probably would have touched close to thirty minutes again. And this is a guy who didn't play any minutes in the in the previous series in the first round. So the Warriors. I have to figure out how to how to punish Memphis for going big, and they got to figure out how to do that with Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins, um, Kevin Kevin Looney, I guess. I don't know. They're gonna. I don't know what they have that can do it, but they got to figure something out, or else. Yeah, they're just they're gonna be they're gonna have to play the Memphis style game, which is gonna be tough, gritty, and and you know, uh, with a lot of rebounding and and just very little very little easy baskets inside so yeah we'll see how they do that yeah i'd say the problem with their small ball lineup is that it has draymond green at the five versus you know what's took steven adams out of that timberwolf series is that cat can space the floor and he is a three-point threat draymond is not Mm -hmm. and so Adams can afford to still kind of anchor down low because he knows Draymond's not going to shoot the three very often. He hasn't done it once this whole series, like you mentioned. And then on the offensive boards is where he's doing most of his damage, right? You say average like six offensive or he got six offensive rebounds um, in that game five. And so that, that is where he's really going to kill him. And there's not much they can do about on that end. Yeah. And I know Draymond Green's not a great three point shooter, but, it's there. It's been a weapon that that, that the Warriors have used mm-hmm. for a bunch of years um, against the Cavs, you know, against Toronto. So I don't know where that version of Draymond Green is. Has he just has confidence <laughs> in three-point shooting just completely fallen off the yeah. map? I don't know, but they're going to need a little bit of that. 
uh, if they if they want to make an effort to come back against Memphis, mm-hmm. or if they're going to take down Memphis in this next game. Yeah, but you got Memphis in seven. I still got Memphis in seven. <laughs> it's going to be huge. Wow. The Warriors are going to be the first team to blow a three-one lead in two and two playoff series in their franchise history. <laughs> they're going to do it. Oh uh, man, that would be something. That would be something. I feel pretty good about this. You think the Warriors close it out in I game think, six? I think they'll close it out. I I would love to see Memphis pull it off somehow, but I just don't see it. I, I, yeah, I, yeah. There's no way. There's no way history is repeating itself with this that forty point defeat they just suffered. Like they they're not gonna let that happen again. Yeah, I mean, I think game six is gonna be close. It's gonna be gritty, but I think Memphis will figure out a way to to pull it out. Yeah. So just don't we'll give it to Dylan it Brooks. Yeah, do not give it to him. Nope, not in the closing. No, don't yeah. give it to him in the closing minutes. Uh, last series here to wrap up: Suns versus Mavs. We're going to a game seven. Uh, this is crazy. When we talk about usage <laughs> rate on Giannis at forty one percent. Not far from him is Luca, right there at forty percent. <laughs> yeah, dude is doing everything. I mean, we're not surprised. He is as great as John Moran has also been in the previous series. Luca is the best, the best point guard I think in 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 the league and in the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. Like he is lighting it up and uh, he's doing his thing. And and Memphis actually has a fighting chance here uh, again <laughs> against the Suns, which is. Not something I thought was going to happen. I thought the Suns were going to close this out in six or five games. Yeah, especially after that game one where we saw them just kind of kick them in the teeth. And even in game two also, it was like, they didn't stand a chance. Like, I thought the Mavericks were done for, but they've held their home court every single game mm-hmm. and to, to push this game seven. And yeah, like you said, Luke has been special, averaging 32, 10, and seven, along with two steals so far this series through those first six games. And then on the opposite end, you're kind of seeing a—I don't know if you want to call it a hiccup. I don't know if you want to call it a, a regression. But ever since Chris Paul turned 37 years old last Friday on Game Three, it has not been a nice ride for him. So we're going to go game by game, starting with Game Three. This was his birthday, by the way. <laughs> 12 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists with 7 turnovers. And all those 7 turnovers happened in the first half. It was the most turnovers he's ever had in a single half on his 37th birthday. That That is not what you want to see from from your all-star point guard, especially when, you know, so much is on the line here, obviously. And then, you know, I think he'd bounce back game 4. Well... Instead, he goes five points, five rebounds, seven assists, and fouls out in 23 minutes. He fouled out in 23 minutes. Game five, didn't really need him as much. It was a blowout win for them. Seven points, two rebounds, ten assists. But, you know, not a great stat line. And then game six tonight, 13 points, two rebounds, four assists, with five turnovers in a blowout loss. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's just it's it's very interesting to see you know the ascension of luca contrasted with what appears to be the downfall of chris paul i i don't know what they're doing with this man i mean i saw frank neil Aquino on him forcing mm-hmm. a turnover I, I i mean i saw jalen brunson on him luca switching on him i mean it just seemed like whatever matchup he had it just wasn't working for him yeah, I mean, credit to the Mavs. They've adjusted and they figured out a way to make things difficult for Chris Paul. I mean, this is this is more than just Chris Paul having bad games. If you can do this for four games in a row, I, it's got to mean something. But I mean, yeah, credit Brunson, credit Luca. Right, these are big boys. These are big <laughs> boys in the perimeter. They hey, young, Brunson. Young Brunson bloods. is not a big boy though. That's the thing. He's like as tall as Chris Paul is. That's true, I guess, but. These guys are ten years younger than Chris Paul. Maybe even co- maybe a more, little no, bit more. No, fifteen. No, it's fifteen. 15 yeah, Luca's twenty-two. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a much tougher. This is an act. These are actual like good defensive guards. You know, unlike uh, what Chris Paul saw in Phoenix. What's that guy's name? Alvarado. Alvarado's good. I think. Yeah, Alvarado was kind of taking it to him too in in the yeah. Pelican series. Uh, yeah, he's. 
these these young bucks are kind of giving them the business a little bit, but yeah, it, it's concerning. And obviously, like Devin Booker and Aiton are trying to shoulder a lot more load, but you know, like in these games where Phoenix really needs someone else to step up, if Chris Paul's not doing too hot, you're not seeing it from McCall Bridges. You're not seeing it from Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson. Mm-hmm. Like these these role players are not stepping up for them when they need them to. And it's yeah. yeah, like this this should not be a seven game series if you're the Phoenix Suns. You you should have established dominance well earlier. Yeah, I think that's sort of been one of the interesting things about these latest games is the Suns have just not gotten much from what used to what was like one of the scariest benches in the NBA. Cameron Payne has essentially fallen out of this rotation. I mean, yeah. 13 minutes a game, no minutes tonight. Landry Shamit. Uh, Landry's playing decent, but Cam Johnson. Um, Tory Craig's out these... there doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tory Craig. JaVale yeah. McGee's just unplayable at this mm-hmm. point. Yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah. It, you're seeing a lot of, of holes form where there really wasn't any you know yeah it's very strange yeah so if they're gonna close it out i think dallas is just kind of well on the other side like dallas has figured out a way to make to make something out of nothing from some of their guys like yeah. maxi kleber bertons is out there having himself some a heck of a series at least in relative to For like himself what he's done yeah. <laughs> yeah eight minutes tonight uh spencer dinwiddie Nick 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 Lakina is out there as well. Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It's just a, it's a, it's been a bizarre series for me as well. Um, but all that's to say is that Game Seven is leading the stage for what ha- is going to have to be a Devin Booker superstar showing. Mm-hmm. This is, is going to be have to be his opportunity to really shine because if this team's going to get out out of here and get with a win, it's going to have to come from the scoring punch from him. Yeah, and DeAndre Ayton too. Yeah, this is these are the games where you you're upset that you didn't get the max extension offered to you last off season. Well, this is your chance to prove how wrong they were to not give you that. You know, show mm-hmm. up when it matters most. And so between him and Booker, they're gonna need to step up a lot. But Chris Paul's just gotta find his game, man. I mean, this is this is not something you can go into the Western Conference Finals with is yeah. looking this vulnerable. Uh, you know, especially when you got two teams like the Warriors and the Grizzlies, they got big point guard play on the other end, on either side. So you're going to have to match up against that well, no matter what. Uh, but, man, I got to give credit to Dallas. They're giving themselves a coin flip at this point. And, you know... I, I can't imagine anything but Luka going absolutely nuclear in Game 7. I'm really excited to see how that all pans out. Yeah, let's see two rising stars going going at each other. Um, you know what? what I'm going to I'm gonna give it to Luka. I'm going to give it You're to him. You're giving it to yep, Dallas. Dallas has taken this series, man. Luka, Luka has fought way too hard for his moment to, to sputter out here. I think they have all the momentum going into this game. I think that Jalen Brunson's going to come up big for them. I think they want it more. I really do. Mm-hmm. I think that, that Luca's finally like, yes, I didn't have to play the Clippers in the playoffs. This is my chance to finally shine. And it's his moment, man. No one's stopping him at this point. He, he's No one's frustrating him. No one's getting in his way. You know, you don't have Marcus Morris yelling at you. Like it's it's all hands on deck for him, and I I really think Dallas is gonna take it. If they win, I I still go with the safe one. Suns number one seed at home. Yeah, I gotta figure they'll they'll figure it out, and Devin Booker will will get hot and close it out. But at the same time, this is the NBA, and Dallas has the best player in the series. Yeah, uh, in Luca. <laughs> Has there he's the top five player here, mm-hmm. so there's always that X factor. But if he can do it, man, that that'll be crazy. Yeah. I was thinking right now, I'll be like, what is? Would that be one of the craziest win game seven wins? And I was thinking, I don't think so because the Clippers won that game seven <laughs> against Utah yeah. last year. That was the was craziest game. <laughs> that that's absurd. Like 
that they won that game, made it to the conference finals, and that's almost that same team didn't even make the playoffs right. this year. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> scenario. Yeah, you have one all star with a bunch of overachieving role players. Yeah, so and you had that same yeah. scenario. So all that's to say <laughs> is that, like, yeah, you're heading into Game Seven. I guess anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if you got Mavs, you got the t- you got Luca. So. Maybe yeah. maybe the, the, this is an opportunity, and it'll be wild if they win it. But it won't be as wild as you. Basically, it won't be as wild as you think it is, especially when you consider last year Clippers beating Utah mm-hmm. in Game Seven to win that series. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm rooting for the kid, man. I mean, I I thought this guy could be the next Michael Jordan esque player. I mm-hmm. I still stand by that. I mean, he's he's putting up the numbers to back it up. 22 years old mind you absolutely yeah. insane and i i would not be surprised i want to see 50 from him this game mm. i want to see 50 yeah that's gonna be an exciting game seven for sure um any other thoughts on this series if not we can go into final thoughts um no no it's i think it's it's been a much better series than i expected i'm really happy about that but i mean that's the thing is like all these, the Suns and Mavs, all they've done is want, win their home games. Mm-hmm. So all in all, you really can't be too excited if you're one or the other. But I think the Mavs are finally going to break the trend. Yeah, let's see how it goes. Uh, final thoughts to close off the podcast. So the NBA announced that they will now be a Western Conference Finals MVP mm-hmm. and an Eastern Conference Finals MVP. The Western Conference Finals MVP being named after Magic Johnson and the Eastern Conference Finals MVP being named after Larry Bird. So cementing those two legends in NBA uh, all-time accolades. Um, I got to say, man, like my thoughts on it, I like it. At first, <laughs> I was kind of like, what is the point of this? It's just another another thing to, to give people to write about. And I guess NBA fans to talk about, but I don't see a lot of NBA fans actually bringing that up in in debates like somebody's got this many western conference finals mvps and this guy's got this many uh, eastern conference mvps but then i started thinking about it a little bit more and i was like well in soccer they have all these cups that people <laughs> talk about you know they don't always just only talk about the team that won the world cup or or ultimately won the champions league there's all these other things you can shoot for so why not why not add something <laughs> else and also cement two nba legends basically into uh, the lifespan of, of the NBA mm-hmm. by naming awards after them. So I like it. Initially, I was oh, not very a huge fan of it, but now I think I, I think it's grown on me in the last in the last few hours. In the last few hours, yeah, because it is great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll have to sit on it a little longer. My, my initial inclination was it's a bit silly. I mean, we're just going to make <laughs> awards for every single round of the playoffs at this rate. Um, yeah. But, you know... I think as the game continues to evolve and grow and I mean, you're going to have to do something for, you know, all these hall of famers that are going to come down the pipe. I mean, you're going to have to do something for LeBron and, you know, Dwayne Wade eventually and like, hell, you might even get Carmelo Anthony having an award 50 years from now. <laughs> Before you even get to those guys, there's still no award named after Michael Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know if any Michael Jordan's on any specific thing rewards or otherwise as far as the he yeah. is it yeah so yeah, there yeah there's there's gonna be like a you know november michael jordan player of the year or player <laughs> of the month type of thing eventually that yeah this is just the first domino to fall but i mean you're gonna have to and if you're gonna do this for, for magic and larry like you gotta do it for michael you gotta do it for i don't know Oscar Shaq. Robinson, Shaq, Kobe. Well, they they have the All Star trophy for Kobe already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like LeBron's gonna have to get one eventually. You know, probably like Kevin Durant too, and so on and so forth. So yeah, I don't know. Bring it on. Let's see as many awards as possible. It'll end up being like participation trophies. <laughs> yeah, I think that was my first, my first, my initial thought too. But I don't know. I, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna let it sit, and I I think and I think in a few years you probably won't even really be thinking about it too much. We'll just accept it as an award that's given out, and we and we shout out every now and then. Yeah, yeah, that's why I have to complain about it now because I won't complain about it later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, that's a good call out. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see who gets this Magic Johnson award in the next round, and we'll see who gets the Larry Bird award in the in, in the other round on the Eastern Conference side. So, uh, in a few weeks, we'll know for that for sure. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in, and uh, we'll continue breaking down the playoffs here uh, for the next few weeks. So, thanks everybody. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everybody. Thank you.